So what comes to your mind if I, when I say the word God? I mean, some of us, I'm going to take a few guesses, okay? So, so some of us may think, well, God, he's that, um, he's that judge, the one that always tells me I'm doing it wrong. Or, or maybe we think, you know, God, he's the one that just, he's just waiting to strike me with lightning or send somebody to hell. I mean, that, I mean, in, in a lot of people's minds, that's who God is. That's, that's who they, they think. And, and as a matter of fact, that's why some people decided not to go to church this morning because I'm not going in there because they're just going to tell me how much I'm getting it wrong. Well, we don't think that's an accurate picture of God. Now, now he does want us to do things that are right. He, he does correct us when we've not going the right direction. He does want us to go to heaven. Uh, he, he does, he does want to make sure we get life going the right direction. But the most accurate descriptions of God are actually found in the Bible. And many of them are written by this guy named David. Um, David, uh, he, David was a great guy, but he also had a lot of problems. And he learned something about God. And what I think is really interesting about him and is why we're using David and, and what he wrote during this whole series is because he wasn't afraid to tell what was happening in his life. Wasn't afraid to like, say it how it was when he messed up and when he did it right and when God helped him and when he felt like he was all alone. David just wrote this stuff down. And so we, we're, we're so happy that he did that for us. And we actually used, picked one of, his, one of his writings as our theme, scripture, I forgot it this morning, our theme for the whole series. And here it is, Psalm 46.1. David wrote, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. In this series, and here's what the name of the series is in case you didn't catch it. It Just imagine God saying, I can help you with that. We're going to take a look at a few things that David went through and how God helped him and how God can help us with some of these same things. Now, David, while definitely not perfect, this guy was not perfect, he was very open. And so, it's just, we're so excited about this series because there's a list of things, and you can see them in the artwork of what we're going to be talking about and go through and how God can help us in some of these very important areas. God is always with us, and he's always eager to help. Now, today we're going to talk about the subject of betrayal. Many of you I know can relate to that, just that word. You just go, oh, yeah, been there, experienced that. Well, I have too. I want to share a story from my life. Uh, years ago, I was a young pastor in my first full-time pastor job at a, a church. A lot of years ago. <laughs> <clears throat> Out West Texas, <laughs> and uh, having a good time. Things are going pretty good. But because I was so young, uh, I wasn't perfect yet. Yeah. And uh, I made a few mistakes, like everybody does, and some people had issues with me. And that's understandable, you know? Sometimes we hurt each other, disappoint each other, whatever. And so... It wasn't so bad these folks had issues with me, but they didn't come to me. They didn't come and say, hey, Ed, dude, what you did, man, golly, gee, what, what are you thinking? You know, I could have I dealt with that. But what they did do was get together with each other and have secret meetings in their homes and talk about me and gossip about me and criticize me. And this went on for week after week after week, and then I heard about it. And you can just imagine how hurt I was. 
I mean, I had done my very best for these people. I had helped save one of their marriages. I had walked another uh, couple through cancer and dealing with a, just life and death. I'd poured out my heart to these folks, and they just stabbed me so bad. It hurt a lot. It, it was the sort of thing that causes many guys in my profession to quit. There's a lot of pastors out there who got so wounded, they're like, I just can't deal with this. Forget it. I'm going to go do something else. Well, fortunately, God gave me the grace to be able to forgive these people. And uh, if he hadn't, it'd just been horrible. But he gave me the grace to forgive. And by the way, forgiveness is awesome because it not only lets others go, but it sets you free. I wasn't holding that any longer. So I was able to forgive them. But the point is, I didn't deserve that betrayal. I didn't deserve it at all. And it really, really hurt me. Now, we're not looking for a show of hands, so please do not raise your hand here. But how many of us in here, like my friend Ed, may, may have ever been faced with betrayal? I mean, you know, may, maybe somebody you never thought, you never thought this person would do it, but they came and they stabbed you right in the back. I mean, they bought and, and picked the biggest possible knife they could find and just plunged it you know, right there down by your spine. And then they brought some friends along with them, and they took a turn at stabbing you in the back. That's, that's what betrayal feels like, and it, it is extremely painful. Betrayal hurts. And the closer you are to the person that betrayed you, you, you know, the, the longer you had been friends, the, 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 I guess maybe the bigger the loved one they are, if that makes sense, the more it hurts. Because you're, the bonds are stronger and they're just severing those things and you're feeling it. The, the, the closer they are, the more you want to be angry at them. The more you want to get back at them, the more you want to, you know, make them pay, the more you might want to give up on people and maybe the more you might want to give up on God. Betrayal, it's real pain. Now, David had an experience with betrayal, and that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? Now, I want to just share you the story. It covers a number of chapters in the Bible, so we're not going to read for an hour to, for you to hear the whole story. I hope you'll look it up. We have some pieces of it in, here in your notes today that you can take and, and find the rest of the material. So let me just give you the, the big story, okay? The two main actors are David, and he's king at this time, so King David and his son Absalom, all right? Now, Absalom does something really bad, and runs away from town. And so Jerusalem is the capital. He's living in a city called Gareth, and he is there away from his father and away from his hometown. Eventually, David says to his guys, go, go get Absalom, bring him back home. All right? And so I can imagine, you know, they knock on the door, and Absalom's there, and they're like, come on, your dad wants you back. And he's like, yes, we're going to deal with this. And so Absalom goes back, but then he gets word. The king says you can uh, be in town, but he didn't want to see you. So come back, but stay away from me. And that went on for two years. Absalom was living there and couldn't see his father. You could say that David betrayed his son here. He turned his back on him. He refused to deal with the big issue in their family. And so Absalom has been damaged, and now look at what a damaged, betrayed person can do. We're going to jump into the story in the book of 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. 
Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Two years, Absalom's there, and he thought, well, maybe I can get Joab, who's the general of the army, and David's right-hand man. Maybe I can get him to talk to my dad and, and somehow pave the way for me to get to him. So he sends one of his men to David, I mean to Joab, but Joab won't come. And he does it twice. He sends people, and Joab refuses to come. Finally, Absalom said, you know what? I'm going to get Joab's attention. He told his men, now you go out there to Joab's barley field, burn it to the ground. Burn it down. So his men did. They went out and burned down Joab's field. And Joab comes to Absalom and says, what are you doing? I can't believe these guys burned down my field. What is up with you? Well, look at what Absalom said at this point. He says this, I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. I mean, Absalom, he's just about to die. He just, this, something has to happen. And so Joab goes, okay. And we go on with the story. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last, David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. So now you would think everything is fine. He gets to see his dad. David's like, yeah, come on in. You know, he gives him a hug, kisses him on the cheek, and, and everything's okay. Well, that's not really true. That's not how this went down. When we're betrayed, the natural human response is to want revenge. I'm going to get you back. I'm going to make you pay for what you've done to me. For the next four years, here's what Absalom did. He, he politicked the people. And they lived a little different society than we do today, but he, he would, I'm going to take over. He had that in his, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to end up throwing my dead out. I'm going to take over. He had that in his mind. He stole the people's hearts, and here's how he did it. He was very methodical, and he calculated his father's betrayal. 2 Samuel chapter 15, when people brought a case to the king for judgment, which was common, it happened, that's what they did, Absalom would, would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have, time, have anyone to hear it. So he's like, hey, I know you guys are coming to talk to the king. You've got a problem, and you need the king to solve it, to say, here's who's right, here's who's wrong, here's how this is going to go. And um, I think you guys got a really good case. If it were me, you know, I, I, think, I think you could win it. But my dad, he doesn't have any time for you. He doesn't have anybody to, to do this for you, so you're just out of luck. And he, he did this over and over and over. He, he goes on as he's talking to him. He says, um, I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. I would do, read between the lines, I would do what my dad's not doing. He's failing here, but I, I, could, I could take care of you. We're seeing the beginning of Absalom betraying his father. Then Absalom has something, all, all this all happens at the same time, and he has something that we call uh, false humility. He said this, this is what happened. When people tried to bow before him, which was common in that society, 
Absalom wouldn't let him. They would come and try to bow down. He said, no, 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 you don't have to bow before me. I'm the prince, you know, but that's okay. Instead, he took him by the hand and he kissed him. And Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment. And so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. You see, you see what he's doing? He's saying, man, I would take care of you if only. If only I was in the right spot, I would take care of you. Come here, it's, so, it's okay. And he, would, he wouldn't even, he just had people walking away. He said, yeah, Absalom. And he, he would be a really good king. He'd be the great guy. And look, he would, he's so humble, he wouldn't even let me bow to him. Little did they know, all the time, all he was doing was plotting revenge. And when Absalom thinks he's got enough support, he betrayed his father. He got a whole bunch of people, and they overthrew David. They're like, we're taking over. I'm going to be king. There was a revolt, and King David and some of his men ended up running for their lives, and they had to leave. Actually, King uh, David barely got out of town alive. And just stop and think for a minute. If your child, I mean, you're not a perfect parent. Anybody here that's parents, uh, you're probably not perfect in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, but just say that your child did this to you. You're, you're, the, you're the king of a country, and your child says, I'm coming to kill you, Dad. Coming to kill you. We're going to take over. You are out. I'm taking my revenge. And, and you literally have to run for your life. How much pain, besides being afraid for your life, how much pain do you think you'd be experiencing? How much would that hurt to have your own son stab you in the back and betray you? Now, David, David had betrayed his son earlier, like, like Ed said. I mean, David kind of started it, but it shouldn't have gone down this way. So David is... He's feeling the pain probably of guilt because he knows that he probably caused this. But then he's feeling the pain on top of it of being betrayed. It's, it's rough. Now, just so you know how the whole story ends, David's army and people, and they end up fighting Absalom's army and, and people, and Absalom ends up getting killed in the process. David lives. Absalom dies. And just out of that part, here's something we can see in this tragic end of Absalom. Seeking revenge even when you're wrongly betrayed, hurts you. Seeking revenge is going to hurt you. Um, it's a very, very good, if there's nothing else, but, but there is, but wait, there's more. There's a, that's a great thing to take from this story. Seeking revenge will hurt you. Now, a cool thing in studying David and, and using his life to learn from is that we have the history that we've been sharing with you but then we have David's thoughts as he writes about these experiences. And we have these thoughts in the book of Psalms. God made them our scripture. They're so powerful. And so now we're going to look at Psalm 3 that David wrote when he was on the run from Absalom. This is before the battle where Absalom got killed eventually. But David's on the run. He's full of these emotions of being betrayed and hurt and pain. And he's having to run for his life. Look at what he says. Oh, Lord. I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying God will never rescue him. You ever felt that way? <laughs> everybody's out to get you. We kind of have a joke at our house. Yeah, everybody's out to get us, you know, but sometimes it isn't a joke, is it? You, you can relate to David feeling like everybody's out to get you. But now David turns his attention from the people, the enemies, to God. Look what he says next. 
He says, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me. There's others who want to harm me, but God, you want to protect me like a shield that's all the way around me, not just in front, but a 360 shield. You're a shield around me. You're my glory. That means you're my strength. Your presence is with me, and you give me strength and hope. And then you're the one who holds my head high. Isn't that amazing? On one hand, he's on the run for his life, but he's saying, God, I I trust you. You're protecting me. You're giving me life and strength, and and you're even keeping my head up. You're not letting me get down and depressed and discouraged. Then David goes on. He says what he did in his situation of great pain. He says this, I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I love that. He didn't say, I, I wrote God a little prayer, or, you know, I, I gave it a little thought. He screamed at God. This word cried out, <clears throat> excuse me, is very strong. It, it's very loud even, all right? And so, We see this throughout the Psalms, not just with David, but the other Psalms as well. They're just so honest. And God wants you to be honest. He wants me to be honest. He already knows, right? He's a big guy. He can take it. Just be honest. And so David just threw up on God. I cried out to the Lord, and God get mad and say, shame on you, son. can't believe you're talking to me like that. No, he says, God answered me. God answered me when I cried out to him in all my pain. God answered me. He spoke to my heart. He helped me. So here I want to pause and just make this statement. No matter what the problem, whether it's your fault or not, we can still pour out our hearts to God in hope. And that's just what David did. I hold him mainly responsible for starting this thing. Absalom, of course, is responsible for his terrible stuff. But David, even though this was a big, a big part of this was his fault, he still cried out to God. And God wants you to hear that today. It's not about whether it's your fault or somebody else. It's about he loves you. And he wants you to cry out to him and share your heart just to throw up on him, so to speak. So now let's look at the conclusion of this psalm. David said, I lay down and slept, yet I awoke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. He's saying, I went to bed, wondered if I'd be alive when I woke up. But when I woke up, I had peace. I had the sense of God's presence like he was just standing right there watching over me. So something changed. Overnight, something changed in David. Let's go on. He says, I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Now, wait a minute. This is a guy who back in verse 1 said, I got all these enemies. Ah! And he was screaming at God. But something's changed because he cried out to God. God answered and did a work in his heart. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. We were singing it today. Arise, Lord, with healing in your wings. Lord, come. Arise, O God. Rescue me, my God. And then this final statement of just faith and, and power, I think. He says this, victory comes from you, O Lord. So what can we do? What if you're in the spot where David was? What, what if you've been betrayed and you're feeling that, and you're experiencing that, well, first, we want you to know that God wants to help. I want you to imagine you telling God, God, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, and just, just imagine God saying to you in your heart, I can help you with that. It, I got it. I, I can help you take care of that. Imagine him saying that. And, and as you think about that, know in re- that Jesus 
actually got betrayed too. Jesus, who came to, to connect us back to God, had one of his closest friends actually kind of take a bribe to betray him to his death. That's serious. Now, I know none of you in here have been betrayed to your death because you're not dead. <laughs> All right, but you've probably been hurt. You've probably been betrayed, and it hurts deeply and can last a long time. Jesus knows exactly what that's, what that's like. And so if you've been betrayed, the truth is you're in good company. Uh, I know that right there doesn't make you feel better, really, but just you're in good company. Here's what you can do about it. The first thing is this. Admit that you need help and ask for it. Last week, we started out the series the entire time saying, the first thing you got to do is admit that you can't do it on your own, that you need help. I need help. We need help in life. Not one of us in here can recover from betrayal alone. You can't do it. I can't do it. At the very least, and it's actually the, like the most important thing, you need God. You need his help to recover from and repair from and get over and forgive betrayal. And that actually leads to number two. The first thing you ask for after you say, I need help, is say, God, help me forgive. Help me forgive this person or these people who betrayed me. And folks, that is not always the easiest thing to do. Uh, and, and the test of whether you've forgiven or not is, you know, if you think of them, do you still get mad? Do you still get angry? Do you still feel, you, you know, I'm going to, well, then you might not have forgiven or you might need to work on it a little more. I also think it's a process. But here's something that's huge that I want you to write down. It's not in your notes. It's not on the app. If you only have an app because you believe, trusted us to have all this in the digital copy, well, pull out somebody's pen and write on your oh, hand. Oh, I can tap notes on the bottom of the app. Oh, you can tap the notes. Uh, hopefully, I put it on there. There's supposed to be a note spot on the app where you can actually type in whatever you want. Here's something that you should put in there. Healing from betrayal starts when you forgive the betrayer. That's when it begins. If you don't do that, the healing never starts. You can try to get around it, and you can try to live from it, and you can try to you know, ignore it, but the healing process never begins until you forgive them that betrayed you. The third thing is this. Ask God to help repair the damage in your life because, folks, being betrayed damages you. It doesn't just hurt. It literally damages you. Like, so you're, you're damaged goods. You, you need to recover from something. And, it, you know, it's, it's different degrees, but just imagine getting a, a knife being plunged into your back. Well, you know, for a good while after that, it's going to hurt to move that shoulder. It's like, ah, oh, you're damaged. It's going to take some time for that to repair, and you need God's help to repair your life. So from the wounds in your heart to the, to the perceptions of other people, sometimes betrayal you know, somebody said something that wasn't true and people, it takes time for those things to get worked out and for God, for the truth to be known. You can even have God fix your relationship with the person or people that betrayed you. Sometimes this happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's not, not always gonna be the case. Sometimes they're never gonna change and that's the way it is, but it's, it's certainly okay to say, God, I'm, I forgive and I'm willing to do 
whatever, however you need to fix this, let's fix it. Folks, God can help you. If you've been betrayed, he can help you make yourself and things healthy again. So look at those three things quickly again. Admit you need help, ask God to help you forgive, and then ask God to repair, help repair the damage. If we'll do these things, it will really make a difference in our lives. We can beat betrayal. We can trust people again. Some of us, we have trouble trusting because we've been so hurt. You can trust people again and enjoy the richness of close relationships again. People will notice in our lives, our families will see a difference. And friends are like, man, you just seem just more joyous or what's going on? Well, God's helping me forgive and deal with issues in my past. It can be a sweet, sweet thing. You can re-engage in relational living, enjoying the blessing of relationships with other people. Now, I want to go back to my story of betrayal, okay? Years later, I, I left that town, and I was living in another town. And then years later, I went back. They had a special event at the church, and they invited back the former pastors. And so I, I went back for this celebration time, and I knew I was going to see these people who betrayed me and hurt me. And so uh, I knew I'd forgiven them, but I just, I kind of had a feeling there was unfinished business, you know. And so as I thought about it and prayed about it, I felt like God gave me a plan. And so uh, we went back to that town, and sure enough, there were those people, and we were having a big meal celebration. And while we were doing that, I, I grabbed one of the guys and said, hey, would you talk to me for a minute? And he said, sure. So we went to a private place. And God put it in my heart. I'm not this big a guy, really. But in this case, I took the high road. And I just said to him, said, you know what? When I was pastor here, I made some mistakes, and I'm sorry for that. And he looked at me, and all this tension just fell out of him. And he said, Ed, really? Just, just like that? You, 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 you just say you're sorry? I said, yeah. He goes, man, if I knew this was that easy, I'd have looked you up years ago. I'm sorry, too. My goodness. And, and he was very humble and just opening up his heart to me. And so in that case, we did repair a damaged relationship, but God had to do it, and it was a sweet thing. And you know what? I believe he wants to do it for you, too. I really, really do. So when we pray here, we're, I'm going to have a little different focus when I pray. I'm going to pray asking God to start what we call an inner healing, because when you're in pain like this, your emotions are in pain. Just like if you had a broken arm, your emotions are broken and hurting. And just like an arm can heal, God can heal damaged emotions. You can trust people again and have great relationships again with people. So that's our mindset as we go to pray, okay? Y'all stand. After I pray, like we do every Sunday, we'll have prayer teams up here on your right and left at, near our stage. These guys would love to pray for you. I'd particularly encourage you, if you've had this betrayal experience and you're struggling with it, come on up and let them pray and just let God encourage your heart today. Also, take those family cards and drop them in the blue boxes on your way out and help us out there. And guests, take your Connect cards outside and drop those off and let us give you a gift. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you can relate to us in our betrayal because when you came to earth, you were betrayed too. You get it. You get how much it hurts. You get how much it can change our life in a bad way. So God, we just come and honestly say, Lord, we, we, we need your help. We need your help, and we know it starts with us. We need your help to forgive the betrayers in our lives. 
We need your help to say, I forgive them. I release them. I don't hold that against them anymore. God, right now, we say, help us forgive. People are coming to your mind, just in your heart, just say, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them. And then, Lord, as we're forgiving, Lord, I pray you begin a work of inner healing in our hearts, that our emotions that have been damaged and we're so closed off sometimes, God, you begin to just bring life to our hearts and we'd be able to begin to open up to people, Lord, and ultimately we'd be able to trust people as well. Lord, where there's unfinished business and you want us to take action, show us what to do. Maybe we need to reach out to a person that's betrayed us. Lord, you know each and every one of us, you know our exact situation and you have the best plan to help us. So help us this week, oh God. We thank you for all this in Jesus' name, amen.